0: Go on yeah, a
1: trip. Let's go on a trip. Yeah, baby. It's not too bad. What's the question again? <laughs> okay, let's go. I'm Angela Caternes. I'm Ian Rogerson. And welcome to Suddenly Senior. This is a podcast series for those of us who've reached a certain age in life.
0: That's right, you can join if you're not our age, but it'll be a lot more fun if you are.
1: <laughs> so strap yourselves in, check your blood pressure, light your spliff. pour yourself a
0: small bevy, and let's go. Ha ha ha. Well, finally, after an amazing struggle, we've got our first rock star. Richard Clapton has been entertaining not only Australian audiences, but audiences worldwide for many decades. And it's my great pleasure to welcome him here into our suddenly senior milieu. How are you, Richard?
2: (laughs) I'm fabulous. that's, That's quite a feat. We have just overcome the most incredible IT problems and we're actually
0: functioning. And we didn't have to get young people in.
1: So do you find that a feature of having become suddenly senior that you kind of struggle with IT or have you mastered it? Do you do you you know ride the wave of success over IT? Every hour
2: of every day I just get angrier and angrier because <laughs> nothing <laughs> works. And even the Com- <laughs> and Qantas sites don't work. And if I have to do one more password, I've got a password vault, full of about 10,000 passwords, and I, I'm just, honestly, I, I'm in an, a, an hourly quagmire of, of crap, quite frankly, <laughs> trying to remember passwords. I'm even just doing this thing with you guys, you know, on my laptops. It's taken nearly an hour just to get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, well, that's a pretty pretty well, you know, uh, the uh, seniors lament, isn't it, really? We, we yeah. were promised so much. By technology and everything, but now we've got to live with it. And it's like living with a some sort of cranky old uncle.
2: Thank you, Dana. You took the words right out of my mouth because the way I feel is, yes, there's another hour of my life I'm not going to get back <laughs> that I wasted on passwords.
1: Speaking of passwords, <laughs> I I hate where, you know, I, because I live in the country, I buy a lot of stuff online. I can buy, you know, go to a chemist a website to buy panadol and i have to set up an account with a password and then it has to be one of those really complicated passwords with exclamation marks and capital letters and numbers and stuff to buy a packet of panadol <laughs> i mean i don't care if, <laughs> i don't care if anyone scams it they can have it i just want a packet of panadol
2: I don't have that problem when I'm ordering my cannabis oil. I, get it. <laughs> I don't have to go through any passwords.
1: <laughs> so can we talk about that so do you is that a prescription oil or do you just buy it over the counter?
2: Well I, I, I get it from a place in Newcastle um, and so I do Lazottes as a venue um, Brian Lazotts place who's Diesel's brother yeah and I do lazottes about three times a year. So when I, uh, I'm up in Newcastle for three days, because I usually do two nights at Lizotte, um, I go around to this place. I, I better not say who it is. But it's pretty legit. Yeah. They're on Hunter yeah. Street. It
0: actually is a store.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, look. You're helping the authorities narrow it down right now, but But,
1: no, it is legit. It is legit. You can buy it over the counter everywhere.
2: Yeah, I know. It's legal in every state in the United States, but it's still, in Australia, it's still the death penalty for having a joint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But so I want to talk to you about the cannabis oil, um, Richard, because I know a lot of people of a certain age love it because it helps a little bit with their aches and pains and it helps with their sleep. Is that why you take it or do you take it to get high?
2: No, I actually, I probably should tell you the story. I got a gig in San Francisco four years ago, and I suffer, like most old people do, from a condition called diverticulosis. And any of your listeners who know what that is know that it's excruciating pain when it's at its worst. And so what happened is about a week or so before I was going to depart for San Francisco, I was getting diverticulosis attacks. And I thought, oh, beauty! And I thought, well, that's going to ruin the holiday. I arrived in San Francisco in the late afternoon, and I went straight to a dispensary. And the dispensaries are incredible. Australians would, can only dream of these places. You walk in there, <laughs> and they've got two hundred varieties of pot. <laughs> and so, Aussie boy, I go, geez. We've got Sim and we've got Mother Madness, but we've only got two kinds. <laughs> anyway, they run me through it and I asked for cookies and the guy said, um, you know, the hippie guy obviously, and he said, uh, yeah, but I'll tell you our strawberries, <laughs> they're the girl. that's what everyone loves. So I, I bought a fairly big bag of these strawberries, took them back to the hotel and they were so yummy, I probably gorged on half the bag of the strawberries. And suddenly my dog would- was gone really
1: <gasps> i have
2: not had an attack since when i came back here um i had a gastro um, a gastro specialist she's a really excellent doctor when i came back i told her this was a few months after i'd been in san francisco and i told her that I, i'm absolutely certain that the cannabis had almost instantly cured my diverticulosis she was skeptical And she was like, oh, yes, Richard, I don't know, you know. And I said, yeah, but it's (laughs) garbage I've read on the internet. I actually did it. I took the strawberries. And I I said, look, Sandra, do me a favour. Can you just research it? When I got back to her, she'd been researching it, and she said it's pretty much proven, especially for gastrointestinal problems, it really is the best thing. It's just a panacea for so many things, sleep, you know, if you can't sleep mm. and all kinds of stuff, anything from anxiety or whatever.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's an int- it's an interesting point. And, and I, I, I wondered whether or not we'd get to this point and suddenly senior you where we're all just sitting around talking about our ailments. But but it's all about management in many ways too, isn't it? It's You get to a level where you've got a few aches and pains and a few things you need to mm-hmm. fix, and then you, you actually find out your own way to do it without going – to the really heavy medication and and prescription medicine and everything like that, there is a way to sort of navigate our way through this, unless you've got something really bad. To to get to a happy medium as you get older.
2: Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I um, I got um, gee, I can't remember my condition now, Polymyagula rheumatica, and I oh. came down with that about three years ago, and it's horrible. Oh, do you know what that is, Angela?
1: No, I'm just recoiling from the name.
2: As you should. So they put you on on steroids called prednisone, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) It's good talking to your listeners (laughs) because all your listeners go, oh, yeah, we've been on the prednisone. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, they had to start me on 25 mils and I was just freaking. And then especially when COVID hit um, because it's immunosuppressant, And I was getting really paranoid about being on these heavy doses of steroids and COVID being around, et cetera, et cetera. I'm now down to one mil. But my point of this is, um, uh, and also, have you seen Dope Sick with Michael Keaton?
1: Yes.
0: No, I I haven't.
2: uh, Dano, you've got to see it. Okay. (laughs) No, it's a really important series. Uh, Yeah, Angela's nodding her head. And so I, I, I must confess the older I get, the more anti-pharma I'm becoming, mm. uh, and especially that evil shit that they were peddling. O- Oxycontin.
1: Yes, Oxycontin, that's right, the rise of Oxycontin and the, and the lies around it.
2: I had said to my doctor recently, I asked him about cannabis oil to save me having to go to Newcastle all the time, and he was shaking his head and he said, look, even if I could get it for you, the red tape and the rigmarole, blah, 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 it, it's, it makes it almost impossible to get your hands on cannabis, all, even though it is medicinally, um, medicinal cannabis is legal, but it's just hard to get. Well, I said, have you got any Oxycontin? I was just having him on after I'd seen Dope Sick. And he said, uh, yeah, why would you want that? And I said, oh, I'm told it's really cool, you know, it really gets you off. Um, why would you want Oxycontin? I said, have you seen Dope Sick, Jeff? No. Uh, I think you better watch it. <laughs>
1: <It's>
0: like- <laughs> See, you're informing people as you go. Richard, Richard I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as a man who's uh, coming into his winter years, as we all are, um, you've just brought out a brand-new album, your 16th album, um, Music is Love. Uh, it, it's a sort of retrospective of the 60s, uh, 60s and early 70s. But at the same time, I, I read in one of the articles about you, you were sitting there saying, I want to get people you know in their older age to be more proactive they seem to just worry about house prices and that's it in many ways what we've just been talking about isn't that something that people our age should probably get out there and and make a big fuss about Uh, about cannabis absolutely
2: i mean honestly for, for for older people it's it's um It's a godsend, literally, because it's a natural thing. And look, my father was a doctor and my original mother and my stepmother were both nurses. So I've grown up in a medical family and I I, I truly, I don't trust the pharmaceutical industry at all. So in other words, I'm saying growing up, you know, they shower these doctors with all these gifts and bribes and holidays in Hawaii and all that sort of stuff um, just to peddle their, their dope pretty much. But, like, you know, for example, if I have heavy dental surgery, you know, they always give me a script for antibiotics, but I never use it. So, yeah, I I, I do think um, my generation, that is a 70-year-old generation, uh, I don't know why they've – what's the word? Is it extricated themselves from their former selves? But I was thinking about this interview and I, well, I wanted to say, you know, seniors – Too bad because, you know what, there's not just books with pictures of the Bondi Lifesaver and pictures of Benny's and pictures of all the other dens of iniquity, but you're in it. I could see you at the Manly Vale off your head. (laughs) And now there's even videos of Sunbury and Narara and all that kind of thing and you'd be able to pick all the seniors, all the people who are now 70. (laughs) Look at you in the 80s, mate. (laughs) What happened? That's all my daughters. I've got 32-year-old twin daughters. When they read my book... Um, I, I, I really wanted them to sanction the book before I even went to a publisher, because I didn't hold back. And oh, for those people who don't know, uh, there was a bit of a rat pack in the eighties. Well, Dano knows all about it. But it was Jimmy, it was Colchester, Little. excessively Triple M mates, etc. And yeah, we sort of got up to our wicked, wicked ways, and, and there were speakeasies. <laughs> like Benny's, that the place you're always hearing about, or Springfield's, or, or whatever. So I didn't hold back, and I just told it like it was, um, including all the drugs. And I had said to my daughters because at, at that stage they were in their early twenties, and I just said, look, I don't, I don't want some of your friends getting hold of my book and reading it and causing you any, and causing my daughters any embarrassment um, <laughs> because of their father's wicked, wicked ways. But my daughters. My daughter said, No, Dad shook their heads and said, What the fuck happened? <laughs> how did we get to where we're at now? I go, Girls, I don't know either. How did we get here?
1: <laughs> and by that, Richard, do you mean how did we all become so conservative? How did we all become so preoccupied with real estate values and, and whatever happened to these kind of lifestyle issues that we all gave a shit about a long time ago? Well,
2: I mean, as cliched as it is, life is I don't know about you guys I'm I'm now realizing how short life is every, every day I mean I, I mean admittedly I'm a songwriter so I'm a creative person but every day I've got to create something I've got to do something for me um, it's seems so incredibly tedious. I'm sure I'm going to rub people off the wrong way, but people retiring and going out and playing golf three times a week. Sorry, Dan, I was a golfer.
0: (laughs) I don't play golf!
2: Good, good. I'm so (laughs) glad you did. I couldn't live out the rest of my life um, just playing golf. Now, a good example is um, of this is Terry Blamey sort of discovered and managed Kylie Minogue for about 35 years and lived a very high pressure, uh, very stressful and extremely busy life, and obviously jet sitting around the world constantly. Then he parted ways with Kylie a few years ago, started turning up to my gigs, and by this stage, Terry was getting towards 70. Now, the late, great Michael Gudensky used to say, you know what? When, you know, when Terry left uh, uh, Kylie, he had Paul McCartney and, and Phil Collins and all these huge rock stars wanting him to manage them, and he kept knocking them back. And Gudinski would say, really? you know, all Terry was talk about is Ralph this and Ralph that, uh, Ralph being my nickname. <laughs> and, you know, what is what is it all about? And I, But I tried to explain to Gudinski, look, by this stage, Terry's 72. He's retired, but he doesn't want to go out and play golf, so... Fortunately for me, I'm so blessed I've been so blessed all throughout my career i get I get this incredible manager who just loves working for me every day it's It's a reason to get out of bed every morning sometimes Terry can get really pedantic and if i'm getting I'm getting dragged out of bed at five am because he's in London and he wants he wants another spreadsheet of every song I've ever written with all the codes on it a lot of codes but you know when i but then I think back on it and I think. Well, it's kind of irritating, but it's just wonderful. I've just got to get out of bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you've got, somebody, you've got somebody to get out of bed for. Listen, yeah. uh, Richard, we, we always ask everybody on the show, when did you realise you were suddenly senior? When did you feel like you were getting there? I don't know, Ian. When does that happen? <laughs> Waiting for it to happen, are you, Ralph? <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no. Um, my my <laughs> 18th birthday shortly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> actually, don't
2: laugh I have an artificial hip So my hip, I have a half a bionic body So half my body is the body of a two-year-old uh, Yeah, two-year-old actually <laughs> Wow I don't know, it, it really is just a state of mind The business that I'm in, which is which is rock and roll Really allows you to, to remain 18 for your entire life And truly, I, I mean, I've got a young band I'm in a spectacular young band uh, and they keep me young. Like Michael Hegarty, who's been – I picked Michael Hegarty up out of Canberra in 1976 and he still plays with me and Jimmy Barnes. And and Danny, my golden haired wonder boy. I mean, i got Danny when he was 19, and I can prove that because his first gig with me was on the Burt Newton show playing Capricorn Dancing. Wow. He barely even managed wow. to save. Look, honestly, it's not really deliberate. I don't go out of my way to find young players. But it's become like a band of brothers and, you know, they're hard partying dudes, which they can be because they're young. (laughs) I used to join them. But in the last few years it's like, no,
0: no,
1: no, let's go out. (laughs) Let me ask this. (laughs) This is a question we ask most of our guests, Richard, and it's that, you know, you walk into a party or a bar that's full of young people, how does that make you feel? It seems to me that probably makes you feel right at home. Is that right?
2: I don't know. I mean, I, I know in, in, in past years, I mean, I get com, uh, compared to Neil Young a lot and I think I think maybe I'm decrepit but I'm really quite crazy <laughs> like Neil is and I think young people adore that. <laughs> they love crazy old people. I don't know. I guess because I'm eccentric and whatever, no, I don't. I don't feel like a fish out of water. Hmm. Although a- Angela, having said that, I don't go clubbing all that much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the act. That's the thing. You'll walk into a in a place full of young people and realize you're there to entertain them a lot of the time.
2: Well, look, the whole evolution has been really fascinating because I, I, um, <laughs> I, like, I, um, I've, I first became aware of of how my my fan base was was evolving um and i just want to it's a rather raunchy story but i think it sums it up and it's it might be entertaining for your listeners but i was playing a gig somewhere on the central coast and there was um two sisters and they were really quite beautiful one was about 18 the other one was about 24 and they wanted me to sign their tits and i (laughs) so i'm looking at my band i'm going hey see I got it. I still got it. <laughs> anyway, mum came in. Get it away. It's mine. I went, oh, hello, mum. Uh, <laughs> that's <when I> <laughs> the daughters were into me. They'd got into me by their mother. Anyway, so I've come to realise I do have a very young audience now. I'm sorry about that story. Of, that wasn't very tasteful. But
0: I just think. Like, <laughs> it was real. It was brutally real. <laughs> Hey, uh, Richard, uh, look, uh, I'm wondering, you know, you're uh, a bit of a legend. Uh, you are a muso at your core. Um, but the interesting thing is there'd be a certain bunch of people uh, around your age who you've been working with for years, music-wise, other musicians, other rockers. Is it like the godfather? I mean, when you all get together, is it is it like a... It's, you're still doing, you know, jamming and having sessions or is it more something subdued and over lunch?
2: Sadly, no. I mean, I, I'm, really, uh, I'm really badly missing those days, that community spirit in the music community. Look, I, I was in Europe for six years when I was really young. I came back here. And when I got back, I actually came back because I'd, I'd been living in Berlin and I, I, when I realised that Whitlam was going to come to power, I thought now's the time to go home. When I got home um, and while, uh, I'll say the Whitlam's, uh, Gough and Margaret, while they were in power, there was this um, sort of upsurge of, of um, especially in Melbourne where I, I spent a couple of years, of this sort of explosion of the most amazing australian music and in those days i'm hanging out with daddy cool and the dingoes and you know spectrum and all those sort of bands and unlike today if you um, expressed a desire to want to be rich and famous it was like really uncool and we'd all look down on you because it was always all all of the musicians musicians of my generation have got into this because a a pure love of music, you know. It's it's never had anything to do with fame or money. Now, this becomes relevant because, as you know, I hooked up with In Excess in 1980, and that's that's what attracted me to In Excess, that they were one of us. That You know, I mean, obviously they, they became incredibly famous and incredibly rich, but um, I can I can assure you all that was In uh, Excess was just about the music and, and quite frankly, still are. So um, I, I, I am missing... That whole creative community—it it just doesn't feel like it exists anymore. Uh, my thirty-two-year-old daughter has been playing in bands for about fifteen years, and I find it quite depressing. She, you know, she lives in Melbourne, and it's, it's just that um, the attitude of the younger musicians is—I find really quite alien. It—it it, it all seems to be about getting on the voice, of, and I don't know. It just seems to be about getting, being rich and famous. I remember reading an article about a few years ago. They were asking younger, younger stars what their, what their priorities were. And it was like a lawyer, an accountant, a stylist. Mm. Oh, yeah, and um, oh, yeah, I, I need to find some songs too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Richard, let me ask you this. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time?
2: I bloody hope talking to you two in 10 years.
1: Good. Excellent. Let's make a date.
0: You're on. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Clapton, what a pleasure it is. Thank you so much for being on Suddenly Senior. And also, don't forget anybody who happens to be following us on Facebook. We have a community. If you've got any questions or any ideas on the program, please keep them positive. Please let us know.
1: Thank you, Richard. See ya.
0: Peace and love, peace. Please like and also
1: subscribe. Thank you for listening. I'm Angela Caternes. I'm Ian Rogerson. Leave a comment, as long as it's nice. <laughs> if it's not, that's right. Fuck off. <laughs> yes. See you next time, Angela. Bye. <laughs> and I want wine with my meds. Yes. <laughs>